Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Hey, this is another Continuous Improvement podcast and video from Rick Hyland on Continuous Improvement for Life. Today, we're going to be talking directly to small business owners or salespeople that want to increase the amount of customers and or sales that they have. So specifically, what are the five questions I would do in analysis mode to review uh, what should be my strategy? And then I'm going to give you four actions to work on to immediately put into place to get more customers. So that's the uh, purpose of today's podcast for any small business owner or salespeople or actually anybody that wants to increase sales, no matter what size of the business. So the first on the analysis side, uh, and this get out a pen and paper and just kind of work this through with me as I talk it through. What? So who have been the best customers for you in the past? This is assuming we're talking to people that are in sales and or small business already. Make a note and describe those customers for me. What what sector do they come from? What are their characteristics? What title do they usually have? Uh, for example, in big box consulting, it's not necessarily uh, what we used to think of as not HR or not even the finance people, although in some industries that is the case. It's usually the vice president of operations. Um, and it was usually those who were open to change, had big goals in mind, and knew they needed help. Those were the ideal customer. And if you can frame that ideal customer based on your analysis of where your customers have come from in the past, and if you're an online business, that's a different set of questions, isn't it? But you're still trying to pinpoint and identify the customer. Because why? Every piece of advertising, every piece of sales, every piece of marketing is going to be speaking to this type of customer or your best customer in the past. So that's the first piece of work I want you to think about is jot down two or three or four or five your best customers in the, and why are they? What were their characteristics? What was their titles? What was the geography? Describe any kind of, because that'll lead you to the second question. And what are the best niches that you serve, right? I'm assuming in that question that you understand that the importance of particularly when you're trying to get new customers or particularly when you're in more of a startup early mode is you have to really niche out. You really have to serve a certain sector, right? We've used examples like even Nike, who I'm wearing right now, oh, this side, there we go, right? Where did they start out? Track and field. Now, of course, they're in every niche you can imagine. Where did Lululemon start out? Black yoga pants, right? So you've got to serve a niche, right? My friends, the doer performance wear, where did they start? The greatest, most comfortable pant in the world. Like start serving a certain sector and niche very well. Identify and maybe it's by geography, maybe it's by size, whatever. Identify what those niches are uh, for you to serve well. Because the better you can describe your niches and your customer, the better your sales and marketing approach will be. The third question, and this is kind of a culmination uh, question for all uh, that adds up the first two questions, and that is, what are their, this ideal customer and this niche that you're serving? What are their pain points? needs and opportunities. Does that make sense? What what are they really after? So that vice president of operations, they want change and they want people-friendly change and they want to improve their uh, costs and, sa- and or safety and or 
uh, sales. Um, and so what are their needs that you're serving? I'll give you an example back in big box consulting in my original career before I started this more small business consulting um, and leadership coaching business over the last three or four years. It used to be very large, um, heavy industry, vice president of operations. And we originally, the, the niche that we served was optimizing the teamwork and collaboration and continuous improvement in maintenance and or operations. That's where we started. Myself, it was in uh, forest industry, actually, in, in sawmills and plywood plants and, and then on to other industries. But that's where it started. And um, I'll tell you once we were in oil and gas, which was a major, major sector for us, both upstream and downstream. One of the things that we learned was that vice president of operations had the biggest need in a growth mode as member price of oil was going up from $20 a barrel, which was forever in the early uh, 2000s or even in mid 90s. And then, you know, in the 2000, early 2000s, it was up to 130. So all of a sudden capital projects. And by the way, they weren't going well. They, they ran into all these expansions. They were building new refineries, new upstream facilities, new LNG plants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And these were billion-dollar projects, and they were all overrun, schedule and cost. And safety was a massive issue. So we had a relationship with these vice president of operations, but their needs shifted. And that's where we were able to, uh, through a series of you know pull, pulling some experts in on our team, move to more capital projects. And I can't remember the exact percentage at the end, but it was at least 30 40% of our business at the end was serving this particular need because we identified it as a need of our ideal customer. Their needs were shifting and it was into more efficient, effective and safe capital projects. So we had to build our in-house expertise in order to serve that need. But we already had that ideal customer and we just shifted our um, strategy or our offer to serve that ideal customer. But it could have been changing the ideal customer or the sector or the need, which we did as well several times. So do a careful analysis on your ideal customer. What are their pain points now? And maybe even in the future, that might direct your continuous improvement or your new product and service areas as well. But pinpointing their needs is such a, this is probably the most important question you'll get around your head. Because when you get into meetings and you don't have time to either prep or they don't give you time to understand their needs directly, if you already understand that industry or that sector needs, you can speak to it and your sales pitch will be much more effective if you understand their pain points and what they're really after. Um, and it will speak to them and resonate uh, more effectively with them. So spend some time in those first three questions before you jump into action and, and new strategy, really analyzing your ideal customer, the niches you serve and their pain points, opportunities. And needs. I mean, we even pinpointed it down to their very, what characteristics do we need? We need them open to change because they're going to spend a lot of dollars. We need them realizing they do need help. Like it's all insular right now. They can't jump 30% on their own. A lot of um, big leaders think they can, but you need, ex everybody needs outside expertise. I don't care if we're talking about our own personal finances or our own personal weight loss journey. We all have coaches. Uh, the best athletes in the world have experts teaching them this part of nutrition or mental approach or how to swing the club. I mean, 
why are our top athletes open to coaching, mentoring, expertise from the outside, but our business leaders, some of them think, oh, I have to figure this out myself. Think through that for a second. Is that pride and ego? Is that cheapness? They're being thrifty. If you really think big and 10X and BHAGs and big goals, you know you're going to need outside expertise and help and be open to that. And those are the those were part of the characteristics for a service industry in particular and a consulting company in particular. Those were the characteristics we were looking for. But yours are probably different. So spend time thinking through that. Now, another really important piece of analysis is what are your clear brand promises and guarantees? And even if you can't go to guarantees, it doesn't matter. Be super clear in serving those niche customers, your ideal customer, and their pain points and needs and opportunities. What is the brand promise or guarantee that will get them off the, the ledger and buying your, because it, it takes a, a lot of time, energy, and effort to get a brand new customer. And so you really need to speak to their needs and you really have to have a message that speaks to their needs. So for example, are you going to give a money back guarantee? Can you do that? Or is that way too expensive and scary? And by the way, your brand promise and guarantee should scare you. Um, are you going to offer a ROI on their money? They, they invest in you for six months. You're going to give them a return on investment. You don't even have to guarantee that necessarily, depending how desperate. I, that's probably not that. Depending how new you are in the startup or how much you need new clients in your business cycle. If you need, if you're in, um, and don't ever share the desperation word with your client, but speaking to you, though, if you're in desperate mode, you might have to go to a bolder promise and a bolder guarantee. Think about that. Oh, I can't. That's too scary. Your brand promise and guarantee should scare you. I saw one on the internet the other day. A guy uh, was promising to grow people's Instagram account growth. And he said, work with me for six months. I'll double. He had these very specific promises. I'll double your, your followers. I'll double your sales, blah, 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 or money back. He made a million dollars off of that particular brand promise and guarantee. Bold? Scary? Absolutely. It should scare you. Not your customers. It should reduce their anxiety to take a risk on you as a new customer coming into your fold. But um, it's not like existing customers. Ex existing customers you already have. And I'm going to talk about them and how to leverage them and get more of their um, customer spend or more of their wallet, if you will. But on existing customers, it's not, it's not the same. You just can't rely on the same old promises. If you're trying to, you really have to have strong brand promises and guarantees. Uh, are you going to give them an extra month of work or something for free? If this doesn't work out exactly as we promised, you're going to get this for free. Not as scary maybe as a uh, money back guarantee, but extra value to take the risk away from a new customer spending and coming into your fold. Or if you're not completely satisfied, you're going to get X, something free something back, something extra, right? Think about that. How can you clarify your brand promises? But make bold promises, even if you don't put a guarantee behind it. We're going to get you a four to one ROI. I'm going to increase your profitability 10%. And even if you're not guaranteeing it, you can show case studies behind that of where you've done that for others. That reduces the risk and increases the trust to get new customers in your fold. 
Because really, that's what it's all about. That's why we're doing this analysis. That's why we're niching out, pinpointing their needs, making these brand promises and guarantees so we can decrease the risk for them and increase the trust for them to try us. I want more new customers. You got to do something different. It starts with this analysis. And number uh, five question I'd have you do for analysis on customer ac- new customer acquisition strategy or increased customer acquisition strategy is to really analyze what is your current lead generation strategy. Usually, this is the weak point of they're working on their closing pitch, they're working on their pitch pitch during a first meeting. All those things are more refined, not that they can't be improved. I often hear, well, yeah, once they come into my fold, I can close them, which isn't always true. But the hard part is finding them and getting them in, or at least to discuss with you for the first time your product or service. So that's what we're talking about. And I recommend to small business or even sales leaders have at least three lead generation methods that are working. And not every method works for every industry. For example, my friends at Doer. Um, and uh, uh, others, uh, we are the Institute, an aftermarket auto body consulting company. Emails and webinars work great, particularly the email lists for Doer. But for me and my consulting industry, email lists haven't worked. So find what methods work for you. Let me just list you a couple. It's not an exhaustive list, but a few that you can be thinking about to add to your repertoire. Have at least three that are working. And you'll have to experiment in your sector and in your, you got to find that ideal client. I haven't been able to find that ideal client on email list, but I have DMing on LinkedIn. I have on webinars. So where is your ideal client? How can you find them? How can you get more new clients? And if you're trying email list, it's not working, switch. Try another new one. Here's kind of the list. Word of mouth, obviously, that's every one of us are doing that one. And then we grow our business by that. Social media, there's both the advertising side and then the DMing side, specific one-on-one, trying to give them a tailored message, even though it might be automated to your ideal client, works quite well over just posting. Posting on social media is cool. I still do it once, you know, once in a while, but it's just an add-on. It's not going to bring you a new customer in the short run. It may in the long run, but it's not a quick hitting one. Uh, Conferences. If you can find conferences where your ideal client is at, go. And I've got a whole spiel on what to do at a conference to make it worthwhile, not just kind of have a booth. There's a lot more to it than that. Um, Referrals, partnerships, affiliates, where you give a commission to people already in your ideal customer niches, uh, sectors, They have trust already of a clientele in your sector and you bring them in and give them a commission to uh, to refer anybody that referred you give X percent of the first six months or the first deal or whatever it is to that partner. That's an incredibly, you think about that, you give a small percentage to people that already have trust in your niche to your target customer. It actually could be actually cheaper. People, oh, I can't give 10%. I can't give 5%. Well, that could actually be cheaper than than spending a lot of advertising money on Facebook, for example. It could be way cheaper. And it's somebody that already has trust in your niche to your targeted segments. Uh, paid ads, um, they can work. Obviously, if you're in the online uh, trinket or, or business, 
Paid ads work uh, very well. Email lists, we've already talked about. They can work in some. Even the AI tools, don't be, don't be, um, oh yeah, well, this this service, it uh, we can tell if somebody searched your topic in the last seven days. That's cool, but um, experiment maybe with it, but it doesn't guarantee it's going to work for your targeted customer. Webinars for some industry sectors and target customers. For me and my industries, both in big company and now in smaller, it works tremendously well. Show up as an expert. Uh, many of my uh, current clients have come from webinars. And even if they, I knew them before and they hadn't bought, they heard another webinar. Hey, Rick really knows what he's talking about in this area. And it's free, free advice. It just builds trust. And then it opens them up to reduce the risk to talking to me on a free discovery call and that's where your other skill sets. Uh, but right now we're talking about finding them. Um, so those are just a list of some of the things you might do to increase the top of your funnel. The weakest part of most uh, businesses that need to grow and have a 25%, 30% growth is it's not just going to be coming from working on your closing percentage or working on your dialogue in your first pitch, although that's important and that's good stuff. Keep doing that. Most important, particularly for those that get so busy dealing with the customer, they forget the customer acquisition and you got to keep that wheel, that funnel moving. And the very, 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 very top of that funnel is lead generation. And that's where you have to, it's probably the weakness in most sales systems, most small business systems. They start tracking it once quotes come in or proposals or customers start talking to them. You got to be better at lead gen. And so that's what this whole podcast is about. Okay, so that's the five questions I want you to think about. Write down, take time, write your answers to. Hopefully, I've given you a few examples so that'll germinate thought that'll work in your industry and for your target customer. And here's the four actions I want you to take from that analysis. Number one, and this could be a spreadsheet, a piece of paper. I recommend just a simple spreadsheet that maybe eventually goes into your CRM if you have one, but you don't need one to do this first exercise. Think of 10 or 20 people in your circle of influence right now that you know well or not so well, write down that, that fit in your ideal customer, your ideal niche, write their names down, what their title, um, and you've, you've got the start of what I call the top 20 list. These could be past customers, current customers that could buy more from you. Upsell, cross-sell. These are where your next deals will come from. You don't need any brand new lead generation at the top of the funnel. You don't need any ads. You don't need any webinars. You don't need any new stuff. These are people already in your circle of influence that you could get more of their customer wallet. Brainstorm that for a second. Who are that 10 to 20 of people you could upsell, cross-sell, or first sell? that you already have a little bit of trust for whatever reason. Maybe they followed you on social media for years, commented. Maybe they've just bought a small business or interested in sales. Maybe you worked with them in the past, but not currently. Think of all those examples. When I uh, quit my big boss, big box consulting company four years ago and started my new one, that's where all my customers came while I was warming up the top of the funnel. All of them came from... And they might have seen me again on social media, on Facebook, posting about a certain topic that attracted them, but I already knew them. They're already in my friend circle or on LinkedIn. 
And um, when I reached out, oh, yeah, I've been looking at your ads or what you're doing on social media. It's really cool. And yeah, you know, I might want to talk because I just bought this business or I'm just selling this business or we just set a brand new goal or I have new salespeople that's not working out yet. You get the picture. Keep them close. Keep your offer top of the mind. Some of them might not know some of the new exciting things you're doing. One of the biggest exercises I get existing small businesses to do retail service, whatever, is take an hour a day and just phone past customers. How are you doing? How are we doing for you? Or current customers. Oh, by the way, did you also know that we sell this? We do that. We've added this. Love for you to come in the store and see this. And right now we're running this special on that. Checking in on current customers and how they're doing in your service is it just builds so much trust and it always leads to a sales conversation 90% of the time and if not immediately in the near future because now you're top of mind now that you're showing they care oh wow we we messed up on that last order or we could have done better on explaining our process a little bit better as a service industry thank you for that feedback that's fantastic and then show them you're genuine that you've you you know you've implemented change or you do something bigger and better for them, but it's also a chance to upsell, cross-sell. Man, I tell you, that is the most under, I say that a lot, don't I? Utilized tool in a customer acquisition, a salesperson toolkit is staying close to existing customers and upselling and cross-selling. There's lots of statistics out there. I teach this in the sales course that your chance of selling an existing customer, some new work is between 65 and 75%. Your chance of selling somebody brand new that doesn't know you from Adam is 5 to 10%, which we still got to do. We still got to get those brand new ones in. And that's uh, we've talked about that, but we're going to add an action around that. So your first action is who's in your top 20 list of current people, known current customers, people in your circle of influence that may be interested in your targeted offer, in your niche offer, in your specialized offer, your very best offer. Who are they? Write them down, build a spreadsheet. What's your next step with them? Is it to call them? Is it to send them a value-added free email? Is it to text them? Is it to send them your free podcast or your buddy's free podcast that speaks to what they what they need? Just add value, add value, connect, connect. Stay top of mind. Guarantee you there's going to be sales immediate, quick, in, in the first few weeks and months, that's where your initial new sales will come from, is people already in your circle of trust. Oh, man. And, and people, you know, they get so keen on email lists and building, but there's people right in front of them that if they just did a little bit better job at adding value, building trust, staying connected, staying top of mind, there's more work there. So that's action number one on <clears throat> building your customer acquisition strategy, finding new clients. And number two is, I really want you to think deeply about what are the three effective lead gen. If you want lead gen to top, top of the funnel to work well, bring in a consistent flow of leads, you're going to need at least three working. And it's going to maybe try five things to find the three that works in your service industry, in your product industry, right? And for products and services, it can be a bit different on what works, right? For me, it's referrals. It's partnerships, commission-paid uh, partnerships, and of course, uh, webinars and conferences. Those are the top, as long as that's where your targeted customer, niche customer is. What is it for you? 
think deeply about that. And oh, by the way, incoming calls, I wouldn't even count that. That's something that's already in place, marketing departments in charge of that, whatever. Um, cold calls is another one. That may be number one in your uh, sector. Number two might be webinars or conferences. Number three might be a DMing for on your LinkedIn and sending them tailored specific messages that you think that circle of influence might be. But what are those? And then develop a strategy to start implementing. And maybe just one more at a time, right? You're going to try webinars. I've got a course and other podcasts and other videos that just talk about how to do in 30 days, how to do a webinar that sells. It gets you sales immediately and in the next few months. Um, So that's question number two I want you to think about. What are your three levers? What is the next step in in your next lever that you're going to open up, turn on to get you new leads? Okay, then number three, now a little bit more practical to keep this, want you to start a spreadsheet or it could be in your CRM if you're a big enough business that has a CRM and just start tracking the number of leads you get, the number of first calls, the number of proposals and closing. Just it, it, depending on your business, those that funnel might change, obviously, but if those are your four things for a business like mine or similar to mine, those are the four things you track in your funnel. I just want you starting to track that on a daily, summarize it monthly, just track number of leads coming in, number of first meetings slash calls, proposals given, deals closed. If you just track those four things on an ongoing basis, you will learn faster, you'll be more motivated, and then obviously you want to set some targets in those areas. You're going to learn, okay, to close three deals, I need 25 solid leads coming in of people showing interest. I need to close 25% of those uh, in, uh, of those first uh, of those leads that come in. I need to get 50% of them on a phone call. Your industry or your sector may change these percentages, but you got to learn these percentages. And then of those people I get on a first visit, first phone call, first meeting, I'm going to close 25% of it, which is kind of an industry. You might be, if you're a bigger $5 million sale, your percentage is going to be lower. Obviously, if you're a, a product on the internet that's selling for $9.99, your closing ratio is going to be higher. But those are just some simple math averages that you got to learn. So therefore, if I need three new deals, it's just math. I need three new, de- new deals. I back it up my funnel. I know I need X number of new leads. Where are they going to come from? Well, you've already mapped out your three new uh, leads that you're going to generation ideas and start with which one. And we're going to get to that number of leads that's going to lead you to the three deals or whatever your deal target is. Isn't that cool? It's just reverse engineer it. I need so many deals. And then people that are hope or grinding their sales people like, like if I'm a salesperson and I need five deals done a month, I'm just going to do the math and figure out how many leads I need, how many first calls I need, how many quotes I need, know my percentages. And it all starts with lead generation. And if there's not enough incoming calls coming, I need to get webinars stood up. I need to get partnerships stood up. I need to get go to some conferences that where my targeted customer is at. So anyhow, I think you get the idea. And then the fourth action is, all right, you know I'm a big fan of weekly planning. There's other podcasts on that one. Now, rubber hits the road. You're tracking it. You've got new lead gen ideas. And you've got a new top 20 list to follow up on. Weekly plan right now, which of those items from your analysis that I've described and you've just worked through with me, 
you're going to do this week, right? Or maybe even make a 90-day plan first. And maybe that whole thing is what you're going to call your 90-day plan, that what we just came up with. So my question and to, to move off procrastination and to move into action is, what are you prepared to do this week? Yeah, I know you're busy. I know you got a lot of meetings. I know you got a lot of customers to take care of. But which of these strategies are you going to try this week? Between four and five at late in the afternoon when things die down or first thing in the morning? Start. Start somewhere. Start implementing some of these ideas. And challenge yourself, right? The best sales reps I know, are, are they leave at least an hour a day or they set number of cold calls. Right. And it, and nobody, nobody really likes cold calls. Yes. My son Tanner says he does, but he psyched himself into it and it's, it's set as a metric and it's set as a goal and he just does it and doesn't think about whether this is pleasant or not. He knows it's going to get them. Remember we did this podcast. Your goals are, there's going to be uncomfortable space, uncomfortable things you're going to have to do to get to your goals. It's not all exactly, you know, uh, man, I'm not. That's not what I love to do. Like I'm, you know, I'm a purpose guy. Live with purpose, follow you. But there will be some uncomfortable things you need to do to get to your purpose, to get to your goals. And so many people quit. Oh, it doesn't work. Or man, it's just not in my sweet zone. It's not in my, and, and that, that's all good thinking. But just know to get to that end in mind, to get to your purpose, to hit your goals, you're going to have to do some things that are uncomfortable and or delegate those things and or find somebody to do it for you, right? If I really can't get off the couch and do that cold calling, I'm going to hire a contract lead guy that can and is good, right? Um, but you may have to do some uncomfortable things to get to your vision, to get to your goal. Please, please, please. Just because that thing is uncomfortable or you don't love doing it or it's not in your unique ability particularly in startup mode, you may need to, you have to do it. And you either have to delegate it and find a who that's even better than you at it. And you're going to have to pay some money for it or just develop it as part of what I'm going to do in the next year to get this business stood up. Challenge yourself, invite yourself, put that in your weekly plan. Please, please, you're going to have to do some uncomfortable things to get this thing going, but I promise you it'll be worth it. So anyhow, hopefully that's useful. This is to my friends that have been asking, okay, I want to get more customers in both, you know, in the nonprofit organization that I work with in, in West Valley and my current customers in big business and small business. This is, this is the challenge in a difficult business environment. Let's face it. The economy in the front end of 2024 in many parts of the world is in under tough times, high interest rates, not the highest. Those of you with gray hair like me, remember a 12 to 18%, depending if what country you were living in 25 years ago. That's high. Today, 6%, 7%. I mean, that's it is high compared to where we're at at two and two and a half and three, but you can do it. We can sell in these, but we have to have good hunting skills. We have to have good customer acquisition skills. You have to push yourself to do some of those things that are uncomfortable in order to get to the reward you want, right? Whether it be that bonus money, whether it be the promotion, whether it be the life satisfaction or the freedom of lifestyle, whatever your end in mind is, you have to do some, some of these uncomfortable things. So I'd invite you to challenge yourself. And if you really can't do it, then hire somebody to do it, contract somebody to do it 
that's good in a space. Don't be afraid to spend some money in some of these areas. These things that I'm talking about today have to be done. And if it's not you, who is it going to be? Is it one of your employees? Is it uh, a contractor you're going to hire that has specialization in this area? I know my friends in Levitt um, in the U.S. here. Andy's uh, hired and contracted. A, they're a big business, and Levitt Machinery, uh, material handlings, etc. And they've contracted. They're experimenting with a new lead gen on an outside contractor that could bring leads in, right? So if you can't do experiment, just find what methods work for you. Um, my friends at the Institute in Ogden, they got webinars going. And so it's a, it's a machine. And you think, oh, free webinars. They partnered with suppliers in their industry that had credibility with their target customer and AutoLeap and them, for an example, or Napa and them put on these podcasts. Both win, both show up as experts and both get new clients. What a win-win. I am sure in your business, there's new lead, lead generation ideas that you could get going. So those are the five questions to think through to get your strategy right, to get customer acquisition going. Those are the four implementation questions. You notice it went from big picture brainstorm, top 20 and in your circle of influence that you could leverage and build across deals with or upsell. It was um, standing up new lead gen ideas. And it was tracking that. So you hold yourself accountable and know your numbers and do the math, figure out how many new leads consistently you need in the top of the funnel. Don't be like most service professional businesses that just work, 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 hoping that new leads will come in and building a satisfied client, which is, which is absolutely, that's a given. But you also need to keep this funnel moving, this wheel continually. It doesn't have to go fast. Just has to continually feed new leads. So it's not overwhelming to anybody. Um, and then, of course, let's implement it through tracking, as I mentioned, and then uh, put it in your weekly plan. Make sense? Anyhow, have fun with that. Uh, hopefully, this is useful to you. Love your comments on it or feedback or likes on the podcast or video, wherever you see it, or add your ideas. If you're watching this on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, uh, add some ideas that I missed, perhaps. That'd be awesome too. Anyhow, have a great one. Good luck. Find some new customers. Cheers. Bye.